The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. In business, you have to play to win. You need an edge. You'll find that edge in the business locker room. Hey, business is like sports, and I want to bring the locker room to the boardroom. Giving you the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the business locker room. Now, here is your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome to Biz Locker Radio. It is presented by the Business Locker Room. Absolutely fantastic to have you on board. Thanks for joining us, operating at the intersection of sports and business. This is definitely the radio show you need to be a part of. Compelling conversations, useful content that you can use to improve your business every single week. Guarantee you it gets better and better each week. If you're looking to improve your business performance, whether you own a business, sell a product, manage a team, lead a company, then you found the right place. This is going to be your home. We have experts in sales, marketing, social media, business strategy, leadership, and much, much more, much like we did last week when Oren Clough joined me, and that is one that you want to find and listen to. The week before that, Tim Wackel, great sales guy out of Dallas, Texas. Oren Clough wrote Pitch Anything. <coughs> And by the way, if you're joining us on Blab, great to have you guys as well. We're going to have a fantastic show today. In a few, just a few minutes, I'll be joined by Inc. columnist, read by millions of Americans, millions of people worldwide, Jeffrey James. He writes the sales blog, Sales Source, and he's going to come on, and we're going to talk a lot about sales this week. And you want to do what I do, by the way. This is Biz Locker Radio. You can find us on iTunes. Go to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, download it onto your uh, favorite mobile device, and then sync it up in a car and just listen to these shows on your commute. So much happening with this. You're going to absolutely love to be a part of it. And you're going to want to listen to it over and over. You can find the show, by the way, bizlockerradio.com. And uh, follow me on Twitter at Kelly Riggs. By the way, I had a guy ask me last week. He said, you know, you, you never really talk much about what you do. You tell us about bizlockerradio.com. And we kind of navigate over there and find your, your primary corporate website, bizlockerroom.com, but you don't talk about what you do. People don't want to hear much about what I do on this show. This show is about the guests that I bring on, and we want to get as much as we can from those guys, but clearly I have a consulting practice. I work with salespeople, work with management leadership teams, enjoy my work. You can find much more about me there, bizlockerroom.com, but bizlockerradio.com is where you can listen to the guests that we've had on this, by the way, episode number 68 been doing it a while. We've just continued to get the great guests online. Next week, by the way, Labor Day. We will be off on Labor Day, and we'll be rerunning one of our great shows. Maybe it'll be this one, uh, or maybe it'll be Oren Clough or Tim Walker or one of the fantastic guests that we've had. But the week after that, interesting guest. He's called The Restaurant Doctor. His name is Bill Marvin, and he's a guy that goes around the country and teaches restaurants 
how to be far better than they are on the customer side. So it's about customer service and selling in its own right as well. So, hey, you want to stick around. It's going to be, it's going to be fantastic. Enjoy talking to this guy and love to have him on the show. Uh, as always, we'll do the X's and O's segment at uh, about 342. You'll want to join me and my good friend Miles Austin out of Seattle, Washington. Yeah, we're going to drop a great new product on the board this week. It's called Conspire. Conspire.com. You want to go find it going to be really good stuff. Well, as I mentioned this week, I'm excited to have a special guest on with me. He's Jeffrey James. This guy has sold and written hundreds of features, articles, and columns for national publications that include Wired and Men's Health and Business 2.0, Selling Power, New York Times, BNET, on and on it goes. He's written seven books, and uh, he, he does write the sales blog on Inc.com called Sales Source. Jeffrey James, uh, it is exciting to have you on as a guest. Welcome into episode number 68. I'm glad to be here. Hey, great to have you. You know, we uh, people don't maybe know a lot about you on the backside, but I have learned uh, a lot about you in our offline conversations. Entrepreneur, been building businesses since you were seven or eight years old, and a lot of people may not recognize that uh, your background is in medieval Renaissance English. Tell me about that side of your life. Well, that was... Uh what I majored in in college, and although at the time I was doing like 500 different things, I was run, I was building speaker cabinets and selling them for a profit, and just generally uh, playing in a band and just keeping myself busy doing different sorts of things. I later on, one of the guys I hung out with in my rock and roll band ended up getting me a job with a computer company, and I, from there I went from writing manuals to programming to marketing and then finally into uh, professional writing which is what I've been doing for the past 20 years. You're at Inc.com and you've uh, you've been there what did you say five years now is that correct? Almost four years. Almost I've got 890 blog posts. Wow 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 and, and your uh, your readership measures in the millions and that's no joke right? That's true. Wow it's uh, that, it's fantastic and, and I gotta say I'm a huge fan and uh, I kind of got networked into you through uh, a mutual friend, Dave Stein, whom you have called the best sales trainer in the business, right? I called him the best expert on sales training in the business. Uh-huh. He, he was studying and had a consultancy based upon uh, comparing the effectiveness of different sales training organizations. Well, we've got a fantastic uh, uh, topic lined up today. We're going to talk about email marketing. And for those of you who are in sales and maybe don't spend a lot of time for email marketing, hey, don't jump offline just yet because I can promise you, you're going to learn a ton about sales from Jeffrey today. He is a guy who has accumulated an enormous amount of knowledge from a variety of people. And before we jump into talking about email marketing and the way people misuse email, and, uh, in fact, one of one of your blog posts that was uh, very popular recently, 10 Ways to Write Better Sales Emails, a lot of people are going to want to hear that. And a common email mistake that drives customers away. You were telling me a story earlier today about spending time on the phone with Tom Hopkins, and, and Tom Hopkins, that's, a, that's the first sales book I ever read going way, way back into the early 80s. Uh, what was that experience like to get him on the phone and have that conversation? I've been fortunate enough to have one-on-one conversations with most of the world's greatest sales gurus, uh, Jeffrey Gittimer, uh, Neil Rackham, uh, Tom Hopkins, um, partly because, well, mostly because I write about sales and I don't do sales training myself, so I'm always trying to find new perspectives into the uh, 
art of selling and to provide them in a very convenient way to my readers. So I'm, I'm just very fortunate in the sense that people are willing to talk to me uh, and, and personally coach me on selling because then I write about it and then I can share their techniques with other people. You know, it's an interesting uh, phraseology that you use there because I think people that read you would not would not think of you as being coached. They would think of you as being a guy who's, you know, started business, been a serial entrepreneur, been very successful. Now you're you're sharing all of your wisdom and knowledge with your readership. But what you're suggesting is that this this is an ongoing thing, and that you're continually looking for new uh, materials and techniques and ideas. The one area that I think is my own particular expertise does have to do with how to set up meetings, and I have studied that quite a bit, and I've had the opportunity as both as a reporter and as a, uh, as a business person, taken a lot of time and built a system for being able to get, be able to set up a meeting with anybody, and that's pretty much, if I had an area of expertise, it's that, but setting up a meeting, of course, is just the start of a sales process, and there's everything else involved in selling and marketing for which I am just as much a student as everybody else. So what's the secret, Jeffrey? How do you, what's, what's the methodology that you use to set up these meetings? What can you share with uh, the people listening to the, to the show today? That, that some things they can take away, they're going to improve their ability to set up meetings of that order. Well, I call it the system Ask RPM. Uh, ask is the foundation, which is attitude, skills, and knowledge. And RPM is research, plan, and message. And you start with the way you think about yourself and the way you think about the role that you're playing and the value you can add. You develop the skills in writing and verbal communication that will allow you to present yourself and to deal with people on a, on a very equal-to-equal basis. And then you have knowledge. You cultivate the business acumen to understand why people are motivated to do what they do and how you can use that to present you the possibility that meeting with you would be worth their interest. Then you have the method, which is RPM, which is research. You learn everything you can about the person you want to talk to. You write a plan. This is how I am going to uh, approach this person. These are the methods I'm going to use. These are the ways that I'm going to make it happen. And then you create an effective book or a message that is going to make that person feel as if they'd be crazy not to have a meeting with you. Wow. Well, I think it's an understatement of several magnitudes to say that most salespeople don't do that very well. Uh, and in fact, one of the most common questions that I get in, in my work is, how do I get those meetings? How do I get in front of a decision maker? How do I get through the gatekeeper? It's amazing how with even with all the digital technology and tools available to us today, how, how much... It still goes back to the old school things, the, the old school challenges that people recognize, and that is how do you get in front of the right person? And, and you've, you've actually created a methodology. What, what, are, what are the big mistakes that people make? My, my sense is, as I listen to you, is they simply want a shortcut and they want to do it the easy way. I, I think most of the heavy lifting is, is probably in the research and planning phase. Is that fair? That's fair that that's a – sorry, a lab is screwing me up. I'm going to get out of it. Okay, there. I should be out now. Okay, I'm sorry about that. No worries. That that echo there. Um, The biggest mistake that people make is email marketing. Um, And by that, I mean sending out 
a lot of undifferentiated emails, maybe with customizations pulled out of a database and believing that they're going to get an acceptable response from that and that that's going to help them develop customer accounts. What you're really doing when you send out email blasts of information that no one has asked for is you are shutting off potential customers. You are getting uh, spam listed. You are getting uh, on people's lists of irritations. You're destroying your reputation and the reputation of your company. Email marketing doesn't work. What it is possible to distribute things on mass email if people have requested it, like with a newsletter or with uh, some sort of prior relationship. But that's a different case of just sending things undifferentiated to lists of people and expecting them to get back to you. So that's the biggest mistake. Um, sales emails, to be effective, you can have a template, but each one has to be customized by hand based upon research that you've done into that individual customer. You know, the interesting question that, that I have immediately out of that is, if it doesn't work, and again, the research is pretty clear that it doesn't work, but if it doesn't work, Jeffrey, why do, why do people persist? I think it's for the same reason that people persist in unresearched cold calling. I think it's done out of desperation and um, misunderstanding that there's, that it's going to work. Uh, let me uh, sum it up one word, laziness. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. They're too lazy. They're too lazy to sit down and say, okay, of this list of 300 customers, which are the three that, or five or seven or 20 that are most likely to buy from me, uh, buy what I've got to offer. So they don't want to do that work, so they just send out a bunch of emails hoping that, hoping that, that those 20 out of the 300 will respond. The fact of the matter is you probably just isolated and alienated those 20 because now they're not going to take you seriously because you spammed them. What you really need to do is get it down to research and email a personal email to the actual person who is going to be able to make a decision and going to be interested in what you have to say. Now, you have to say the right message to them and you have to think about it what it is that's going to motivate them to want to get in contact with you. But if you don't do that, you're pretty much wasting your time. And having a conversation with Jeffrey James. He's the Inc.com writer. He writes the sales blog, Sales Source. And you can find him on Inc. Easy. Just Google Jeffrey James and Inc. And you're going to go right there. But if you want to find his own personal website online, jeffreyjames.com. It's G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y, james.com. And, of course, you want to follow him on Twitter, at sales source, but with an underscore between sales and source, at sales underscore source on Twitter. You know, it's uh, it's really interesting. What has evolved over the past several years is this nomenclature that is called social selling. And I say that with air quotes, social selling. And, and to me, that's interesting because I don't see social selling as selling at all. I see it, if we're going to put a term on it, let's call it social marketing. Digital tools are used to you know, identify people and, and to develop a dialogue with them. But the real selling starts in a one-on-one in a -on -one circumstance where, when you get in front of somebody and begin to tell them a little bit uh, about your product or in, you know, if you're going to follow the process correctly, when you start finding out a lot more about your prospect and what they may or may not need from you. But uh, I, I'm curious what, you, what your whole impression is as a guy who writes on the, uh, about this on a day-to-day -day basis. 
What's your perception and opinion of the term social selling? My general opinion of buzzwords dealing with sales technology is that they're a way to waste people's time by talking about something that they've already talked about before. <laughs> you know, the, you know I, I can see why nobody wants to read your stuff. You don't ever give an opinion. Well, yeah, there's that. <laughs> yeah, um, guy's got a million readers. Uh, <laughs> tell me, tell me more. Why? Why do you think it's a waste? I mean, why is the term social selling a waste of time? I think what they're referring to is using social media to research and to contact people. But you talked about the concept of getting in a dialogue. Ninety-nine percent of the people who use technology in their sales and marketing are really just in interested in getting into a monologue, their own monologue, talking about themselves. And until you get out of that way of thinking, it doesn't matter what you do, you're, you're wasting your time and you're wasting the potential customer's time. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's Jeffrey James. Hey, we're going to take our first time out. We're up against a break. We're going to come back on the other side and we're going to explore a couple of things that uh, Jeffrey has written about. 10 ways to write better sales emails. We're also going to talk about the common email mistake that drives customers away. It's exactly why you should be reading Jeffrey James on Inc.com. Hey, this is Biz Locker Radio. It's brought to you by the Business Locker Room. We're going to come back on the other side and we'll restart our conversation with Jeffrey James. Stay with us. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a sales strategist and leadership coach. Now in his ninth year as founder and president of the Business Locker Room, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon or at bizlockerroom.com. For more information on hiring this two-time National Salesperson of the Year to speak at your next event or to train your leadership team, visit bizlockerroom.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Hi, this is Jeff Shore, author of Be Bold and Win the Sale. More great business ideas straight ahead in the Business Locker Room. Hey, welcome back to Business Locker Radio, brought to you by the Business Locker Room. For you, those of you on Blab, the guy that just brought us back, Jeff Shore, a good friend and a guest on the show. There's his book, Be Bold and Win the Sale. That's worth adding to your library, no question about it. Hey, our guest is Jeffrey James. And again, I want to tell you how you can get a hold of him at sales underscore source. 
uh, on Twitter and then JeffreyJames.com. His first name is G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y. If you're not reading his column on Inc. on a regular basis, you should be. It is absolutely fantastic. He joins us live on Blab. For those of you on Blab, great to have you as well. And we, uh, we went to break. We were talking about email marketing. And uh, a lot of salespeople, Jeffrey, make a lot of big mistakes when it comes to email marketing. You talk about one of those in particular in one of your columns, the common email mistake that drives everyone nuts. And you actually give an example, and it went like this. Hey, uh, hey, Jeffrey, first off, I want to thank you for putting up with my extraordinary amount of email over the past two months. I have to say I respect your dedication to not give in and respond. It was truly a brilliant performance on your end. And while it has most definitely been a pleasure trying to connect with you, I'm sad to say that I'm now graciously throwing in the towel. And he even writes in parentheses, deep sigh. Now, you actually got an email like that, and uh, you, you, you wrote the response as well. What, what is this, this new tendency to write emails like this, and why is it absolutely nonsense? Well, actually, I didn't get that particular email, but somebody did and sent it to me. Oh, they sent but, it to you. Okay. Yeah, the most common mistake that people make in sales emails is to talk about yourself and to essentially make the email about, oh, I want this, I, am, I'm, I'm talk, I want to talk to you about this, I want, uh, my company does this, my products do this, and, and when can we set up a call? And no one is interested in you. That's the thing that most salespeople don't understand at the beginning of the sales cycle. Nobody cares about you. They just don't. Yeah, and, and so... You're just being annoying to them when you talk about yourself. You have to do the research. You have to do the research and understand what are the current business drivers for that individual customer. And then you have two or three sentences at most that you have to address what it is that's interesting to them and justify the fact that they might want to get back to you. So that's mistake number one. There's actually three mistakes. Mistake number one is talking about yourself. Okay. Mistake number two is providing too much information. For some reason, people got this idea that information is a good thing. Uh, Everyone is drowning in information. A general rule for business, if you you really want to be successful in business, don't ever, ever, ever give anyone any information that they haven't asked for. You're just creating a burden on them. You're assigning them homework. (laughs) And a, a sales message just says, Check out our website, look at these videos, download this. If they haven't asked for any of that, you are just assigning them a homework. It's not going to help you sell anything. And the third mistake, which is by far the most frustrating one and the most common one, is asking for too much. All you want to ask in an initial sales email is for what I call five thumbtacks. You want send or reply Y-E-S send. You want just five taps of their thumb. That's all you really want. You don't want to ask them for a meeting at that point. You want to get into a dialogue, so you want to have the lowest barrier possible for them to respond. So the first opening should always be, is this interesting to you? Are you the right person to talk to about this? Or something that requires a yes or no answer so that you open up a dialogue through email. Right. The moment you do that, you're whitelisted. Your emails will get through. You're in a conversation. You've had the customer say yes to something already. You're so far ahead of the game that if you try to ask for a meeting, no one's going to give you a half hour of your time based on anything that you put in an initial email. That's just not going to happen. It's actually asking a lot for them even to read it and respond to it. 
So that's those are the big problems that people have. They talk about themselves. They provide too much information, usually irrelevant information, and they attempt to uh, close on a on a more detailed conversation. They, they ask for a block of the person's time. Doesn't work. Yeah, when they ha- absolutely have not earned the right to even do that. Well, we've got a guest on Blab that says, hey, I'm a brand new small business owner, Jeffrey. How do I make sales without sounding desperate? I think you've just addressed that in a very significant way. Baby, people sound desperate when they dump the entire package right out in front of you right now. I mean, that, that sounds so salesy to people that we're automatically conditioned to run away, aren't we? That's part of it. Another, another sign of desperation is multiple calls to action, um, like Feel free to call me if you have any questions. Check this website and call me at this, and I'll be calling you. And uh, it, it's crazy. It's really crazy uh, because that makes you sound so desperate. All you want to go for is the five finger taps. That's all you want. You know, reply y e s send. That's all you're looking for in the first conversation. And when you just ask a question that can be answered that way, you're not sounding desperate. But the other piece is the email, particularly the initial email, is not about you. People feel for some reason when they're emailing a prospective customer that they have to talk about who they are, what they do, what they want, what they, you know, what their company does. The customer just doesn't care. Right. All the customer cares about is what they're trying to accomplish and whether your two or three sentences piques their interest enough to fit into what they're trying to accomplish. And you can only figure that out by researching them specifically and by crafting a specific email that addresses what you believe their concerns to be based upon your research. Wow, this is gold here. We, we're getting into the real meat of what, what what you can do to move the needle as a sales guy. So help us walk through that process. If I was going to send an email to a prospect that I've done my homework, I've gone through the Ask RPM process. I've done some research and planning. I've got a message and, and say, you're my prospect, Jeffrey, and I want to send you an email. What's the best way to approach that whole process? What should it sound like? Well, first of all, you want a subject and a first 10 or 15 words that will get your email open. And actually, that's true regardless of how an email is sent. There's a lot of research on what subject lines are most likely to get opened, but not much upon uh, the first 10 or 15 words. The reason why those are important is because those are what show up in the uh, inbox. You see the title, the subject, you see where it's from, you see when it was sent, and you see the first part of the message. So wasting some of that important real estate where they comment like, oh, I hope you're feeling well, or I hope the weather is... Anything like that is wasted time. You've got to get right into it so that they understand immediately that this is worth opening. So there's some mechanical things, just technical things, that are important about getting the email open. Getting it read is mostly a matter of being able to crystallize your value to that person in one or two sentences. And getting a, respond to, a response is asking a question that's easy to respond to. So there's no great complicated science about it. It's really just a matter of understanding what's motivating the customer and adapting your message to appeal to what that customer is most likely to be needing at that point. 
Yeah, it makes good sense. You know, I we were talking about the response rate on unsolicited email marketing, 0.1% response rate. What's your feel? What's your sense? If I do it the right way, how much is it going to move the needle? How much better response rate could I potentially expect? I have a client who was getting <clears throat> single-digit responses on a kind of a generic email. Actually, mm-hmm. it was an executive recruiter, and he filled his emails full of descriptions of the person that he was trying to find a position for and he was getting zero responses. I had him throw all that out and change his approach a little bit and now he's getting a 90% response rate. 90? 90%, yes. Wow, wow. So, well, give us a sense. Of, uh, you're right. There's a tremendous amount of research about subject lines. What, what worked for your recruiter? In this case, it wasn't a subject line. It was the overall in, internal approach which was specific to the company and the individual that they were that he was communicating with. It had, it was a, he had a template, but the template was all dependent upon understanding what that particular company was looking for at that particular time. Gotcha. So, uh, a relevant subject line, and uh, comment on Blab, he's saying keep it short and to the point, and I think that's what I hear you saying is, are you, would you be interested in something that is relevant to them, so something that describes your product or service in compelling terms, and then if so, please reply yes or something, no, something you, like that? You actually got that wrong. You, you, can't, you don't go into describing your product. At all, okay. You, you would describe it obliquely by communicating what it would mean to the customer if they had the product. Aha. Okay. See, the product itself is of no interest to anybody, anybody Correct. other than yourself. That's inside looking out. When you talk about your product, your company, and yourself, you're on the inside looking out. You're talking at the customer. What you need to do is get inside the customer's head and communicate what it would mean to them if they had your product, how it would be different, things would be different for them. And then the next point is why you're the right person to be talking to about it. So it's a matter of identifying the benefit, which is actually what we're talking about there, right? and identifying what differentiates you, what your differentiator is, what's unique about you. Like, why should I talk to this person, and why should I buy from this person? And that's really all you want to communicate in an initial email. And, and, and an email of that type is probably easily read in 30, 60 seconds, something like that, right? It's going to be pretty brief and to the point. Probably more like 10 seconds. You really, only, <laughs> you really only talk in one or two short sentences. Right. Three, because business just isn't all that complicated. It's only complicated when you start talking about, when you start thinking about emails as conveying information instead of being a discussion. That's not what it's about. It's, 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 it's a conversation, so people converse in relatively small blips. Uh, what you don't want is to, uh, is to get involved in conveying long amounts of data. So the model should be more like texting, frankly, than, co- than cold calling or pitching or marketing materials or anything. It's really get in the conversation and then move gradually towards uh, deepening of that conversation, you'll eventually get the meeting that you're looking for. So, uh, is that is that the call to action? You just trying to 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 get the, the next step of the conversation. Call to action is you you, you send an email and it's, it's to somebody you've researched. You point out a very specific benefit that your product offers to a problem you know they typically have or you know for sure they have. 
this is why we make a good choice for this. And then you say, like to speak to you more. Are you interested? Something of that nature? I wouldn't even say like to speak to you more. I just say, is this of interest to you? And then if you get a yes response, then the customer is self-qualified. So that's when you go back to your research and look even deep, more deeply into that particular company, that particular individual, get a really solid picture of who they are. And then you email back uh, to the second level, which has, that would probably have some product information and have some maybe success stories or other things that would allow you then at that point to ask for a brief, time-limited telephone conversation. Yeah, interesting point. He is uh, Jeffrey James. He is the Inc. writer, uh, writes the sales blog, Sales Source. Find him on Twitter at sales underscore source. Go find him uh, on his website as well, at Jeffrey James. You you wrote another interesting article that I loved, uh, 10 Ways to Write Better Sales Emails. And you've talked about a lot of these things already. But there's some pieces in here that I think people miss. And I think they miss this too, Jeffrey, in in face-to-face. There's this real tendency to want to sound like you know everything and and use a lot of big words and and business jargon and all those kinds of things. You, You see that as one of the common email mistakes as well, don't you? Well, there's really two different things. There's biz blab and then there's jargon. Experts use jargon to communicate in shorthand. You get two engineers together and you're going to have a jargon-rich conversation. But yes. they're doing that because it, it is a shorthand for them to be able to communicate fairly complex ideas. So you'll get alphabet soup statements and, and everyone knows what they're talking about. It's just a convenient way to communicate a lot of information quickly. BizBlab is all the kinds of words that people use in an attempt to sound impressive or to make something seem bigger than it actually is. So instead of saying use, they say utilize, and then they go design to utilize, and then they go specifically design to utilize to enable. <laughs> and, and it gets, it, it, it starts becoming so wordy that no one that it's it's difficult to you have these little tiny bits of actual information being conveyed with an incredible number of words i was kidding you a little bit about the words that people use to describe sales technology there's a whole bunch of people calling it sales enablement yes which i have to say is probably the worst acronym or worst buzzword I have ever heard in my entire life. Because enabling is what you do to alcoholics. And and in any case, it's it's abs- creating a complicated abstract concept which has absolutely nothing to do with what's actually going on. It's just technology. It's sales tech. It's a tool. Make right? it simple. It's, it's a, a tool. tool. That's it, all but, <laughs> Well, the, the same thing holds true when, when people, and I love that you point, you actually led the article with this. You talk about avoiding complex metrics. You know, we, we've always been taught, and of course, I, I teach actually, that when you can quantify what you do and give it concrete terms, that's good. But you can actually overdo this deal and get into some complexity that kind of leaves people not understanding what's going on. Explain how that works. Well, it depends upon how you're using statistics and how you're using uh, the way you're expressing things. Like saying something is 200% larger, that's actually three times larger. Right. And it's, like it's much easier to say three times larger than that. Or if you say uh, increased 100%, what you really mean is you doubled it. 
<laughs> and so, and so, many people cannot do the math in their heads. And I've seen very complicated quantitative measures where I had to sit down and think, actually plug things into a spreadsheet to figure out what the person was actually saying. And so quantification and metrics is good, but it needs to be expressed in a way that someone can absorb and figure out what it means without thinking very hard. Sure. Here's an example you gave in, uh, in your, uh, your piece on ink. Uh, the wrong way to do it. Um, the XYZ magazine reaches 50,000 kitchen counters every other month, and last winter's edition saw an average response rate of 1.46%. Now, yeah, I think most people will read that and go, what's wrong with that? But the fact that you're a wordsmith and you write for a living, this makes an enormous amount of sense to me. You say the right way, advertising in XYZ magazine can get you an additional 750 walk-in customers by Christmas. Now, that's clarity. I mean, that makes sense to me, right? You want to get it down to something that can be understood very quickly. Um, the rule of thumb is never write a sales email that couldn't be understood by a 12-year-old. And it's not because your clients have the intelligence of a 12-year-old. Well, some of them probably do. But <laughs> it's not because of that. It's because they are only going to be dedicating about 30 or 40% of their brain power to reading emails anyway. They're probably multitasking. Uh, they, there's other emails in the inbox that are kind of, their, their brain's kind of, not maybe not focusing right then, but they can see them. There's other stuff going on in the office. You're just not getting someone's full intelligence, you know, full attention. So you need to communicate with them in, uh, in perhaps overly simplistic terms if you want to get a response. So you just want to make it as easy as possible for someone to read what you're trying to communicate and then get and as easy as possible to get back to you. Yeah, inter- interesting idea. We talked about this a little bit with Orrin Clough last week's episode, but it reminds me kind of of Daniel Kahneman's work. If, you, if you've read Thinking Fast and Slow, you know, we, we immediately come to conclusions about things very quickly, about, about things that we see. And if it looks salesy or sounds salesy, we're almost immediately going to dismiss it. And so much of what people do in the email marketing side, Jeffrey, if I'm hearing you correctly, is... It just sound, it sounds like everybody else. It sounds salesy, and it sounds like a waste of time, and frankly, I don't have time. Well, salesy words guarantee free, for example. Those are two very salesy words. Right. Even solution. A lot of times, those will just get hit by a spam filter and thrown into the junk file. Yeah. So you need to avoid any terms that sound salesy. But, I mean, how many – I've never met a salesperson – who likes being pitched at, who wants to listen to someone else's sales pitch, except maybe because it's fun watching someone else do their job. But, I mean, no one likes hearing a sales pitch, not even salespeople. Correct. So so why do you think that a prospective customer wants to hear your story or your pitch? They don't. They aren't interested in that. All they're interested in is what does this person mean to me? What? Why should I give this person an iota of my precious time? Right. And you can only do that by immediately addressing a benefit of something, something that has to do with what's on the top of their mind right now. For example, if a company just went through a merger. That's a really good time to email something about a, some, something that might prove useful to that person in the conflicts and problems that happen whenever there's a merger. Sure. If a company is trying to deploy in a new city, a subject line that says, 
Atlanta, Georgia customer response if they're trying to implement something in Atlanta, Georgia. That's going to get on their radar screen. It's all about what you want, what the other person is looking for right now. That's where you're going to get the response. And unfortunately, email marketing, mass marketing is the opposite of that. Mass marketing is dumping a lot of information on people and hoping that some of it will stick. It's the old spray and pray routine that we know from decades ago doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely right. Hey, that's great stuff. From Jeffrey James, the author of Sales Source, the online blog, sales blog rather, at Inc.com. You're going to want to find him. Find JeffreyJames.com online. Look at all the stuff he's written. Seven books. Got a lot of great. How many articles you say you've written uh, for, for Inc. so far? 890 or something of that nature? Yes, 890 and I think about 1,200 I wrote for CBS News before I moved over. I've been blogging every business day since February of 2007. Wow. We're just a fountain of information. Well, that's going to do it for uh, this segment. I'm up against a break. We're going to come back on the other side, and we'll be joined by my good friend, Miles Austin. We're going to do the X's and O's segment. We're going to talk about a product called Conspire, and I'm excited about this. I've already tried it out, started using it, working with it, and I'm excited to look at it. Jeffrey, thank you so much for your time. appreciate you being here. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll add millions to your readership. Not that you need them, but, may, but perhaps we will do that. <laughs> I've, en- I've enjoyed speaking with you, Kelly. Thank, okay. you for, uh, thank you for inviting me. I enjoy this sort of stuff amazingly. Oh, great stuff. Uh, very gracious uh, to join us here. Hey, that's uh, going to do it for this segment. We're going to come back on the other side. Make sure you stay with us. Miles Austin, the X's and O's segment. This is Biz Locker Radio. I'm Kelly Riggs on Voice America. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network kelly riggs is an author a highly acclaimed speaker and a sales strategist and leadership coach now in his ninth year as founder and president of the business locker room kelly has written two books one-on-one management what every great manager knows that you don't and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon or at bizlockerroom.com. For more information on hiring this two-time National Salesperson of the Year to speak at your next event or to train your leadership team, visit bizlockerroom.com. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. This is Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. Now, Dan Walshman bringing us back out of the break. Hey, great to have you on Biz Locker Radio. It's brought to you by the Business Locker Room, bizlockerroom.com. You can find the show. 
and all of the episodes, including uh, with a buddy of mine who's on with us on Blab, John Ferrara. You can find those at bizlockerradio.com. And uh, you're going to want to do what I do because these episodes are awesome, including the one, uh, the interview I just did with Jeffrey James, the ink writer, uh, writes the blog Sales Source. These are fantastic interviews filled with material that you can use. So go to iTunes. Man, subscribe to the podcast, Business Locker Room Podcast, and uh, download it, subscribe to it, listen to it on your commute. It's good stuff. As we always do about this time each week, Miles Austin joins us. Miles Austin uh, doing the X's and O's segment. He's with us on Blab. By the way, if you're not on Blab, you need to join us on Blab. Go to blab.im. Each week you can find uh, our uh, webcast now. We're doing this live. And... uh, (laughs) You got a little special surprise for me there, uh, Miles. Thanks for that. I'm not sure. I got all sorts of special surprises, buddy. Uh, I'm not. I'm not even sure. I want to know about them all. <laughs> well, uh, he uh, puts uh, the Bizlocker Radio logo on his background, Captain Green Screen there, doing it. Hey, let's jump right into a conversation about Conspire. Uh, tell me about Conspire and uh, what it is and how you got turned on to it. Well, I'll tell you, it's been an interesting journey the last couple of weeks, Kelly. As you know, I wrote something about LinkedIn. Uh, about a week or so ago, kind of complaining a little bit and saying, look, uh, this thing has so much promise, but it's starting to fall short in my opinion. And and I, I came across a tool that to me is a prime example of what LinkedIn should be to its users. What Conspire is, is a tool separate completely from LinkedIn. It's an online web-based tool that helps people connect with those people within their network that are connected to people outside their network that they want to connect to. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Right? I mean, look, anyone in business, we all understand that referrals and recommendations and introductions into people that we'd like to start to do business with is really critical. And so what happens is Conspire basically loads up and connects to your database of contacts, right? Right. Pretty simple. But then it has the magic behind the scenes that says, okay, let's say that I want to get to talk to you and be on your show, but I'm not connected to you. But then Conspire goes into my database and looks through all of my connections and then through all the magic of social says, okay, Miles is here. Kelly is over here on the right, if you will, on a graph. Who's in the middle between those two that's connected to Miles and to Kelly? It shows them to you visually and then has the intelligence built in to give me the opportunity to write a little introductory request to the person in the middle. So let's say that John is the one that knows us both. So it pops up and it says, look, you want to get to Kelly Miles? John knows him and he knows you. So I type in a little, basically an email Mm -hmm. that goes out of my email account to you And at the same time, I write a little note to John that I want to share with him once you make the connection for me. Now, Miles Austin joining us to talk about Conspire. We do the X's and O's segment every single week. Of course, you can find Miles on Twitter at Miles Austin and uh, check him out on his website as well. You need to be reading his stuff at fillthefunnel.com. And if you're joining us on Blab, by the way, we ask you to to, uh, comment to us on the chat screen because we're actually connected through a studio and uh, Miles and I are listening to each other through the studio headphones and can't really connect with you on on Blab verbally. Uh, It's interesting because it sounds like LinkedIn to me, Miles, right? 
it's a it's a LinkedIn product, and you're talking about sort of in mail, quote unquote, sending emails. Uh, but it's an interesting alternative now. What do you think it's going to do to the marketplace? Well, you know, I'm not sure. I'll tell you what it's done for my marketplace, which is me. Yes. Um, I don't use LinkedIn for that anymore. Very honestly, I, as I wrote in the post about a week ago, I think that communication process within LinkedIn is broken. I think people are starting to ignore it because it's been overused. It's been spamized, if you will, if there is such a word. And I just think it really doesn't have the impact. What I like about um, Conspire is it's looking at my contacts. It's one of my frustrations um, with LinkedIn. It's like, that's my data, and they're not giving me full access to it. And as I sit here and I'm watching Mr. Ferrara just smiling down there, um, he understands it. I, I mean, I love, look, we're in the business of connections, of relationships, and getting introductions to each other. And anytime you can have a tool that can make that easier, more professional, and very frankly, more productive, this thing I've been using for about two weeks, right. it blows my doors off of anything else of any other tool I've used, including getting to the CEO of Conspire, who I'm meeting with on Wednesday. Wow, fantastic. Well, so it's it's an interesting tool to use because you can build your own networks. Once you previewed it to me for today's show, I went online. It's, it's free. You jump on there. You integrate your contacts through Gmail, Yahoo, whatever the case may be. And, and then suddenly you have the ability to create your own networks of people. So if you're looking for me, I, I set up a network called the Business Locker Room. I'm looking for people who want to excel in sales and leadership and have an interest in having those conversations. So people can begin to respond to that kind of thing, right? Absolutely. And it's, what's funny is it's, it's because there is connections. I mean, you see everyone's faces. This isn't a big mailing list, right? The the I think the likelihood of getting spammed in this kind of a tool goes way down. I'm looking at the face of John, if you will, in my Conspire screen, and I'm looking at John going, do I really want to use John if I'm just going to spam Kelly? Not going to happen. I feel an obligation to do a professional job not only with with you when I connect to you, Kelly, but also because I have an obligation to John who, if he's willing to make that connection, um, also is represented there. Hey, if you're listening in uh, to today's episode, hey, pump up Biz Locker Radio. A couple of ways you can do that. One is to join us on Blab. We keep uh, talking about John Ferrara. He is on. Jack Kosakowski is on Blab as well. He's going to be a guest on the show in a, several weeks. As, uh, we'll do an entire month of sales in the month of October. We're going to have some high-profile salespeople joining me, including people like Mike Weinberg and uh, Trish Bertuzzi and some others. So really looking forward to that. <laughs> Jack Kosakowski, he's cracking me up. You know, he, that boy needs to lay off the Red Bull. There's no question about that. But you can always find us on iTunes. And by the way, if you like the podcast, if you like the live show, go to iTunes rate and review the show. We'd love for you to do that. I got a stack of books behind me for people that have joined me on the show. Jeb Blunt, uh, Jeff Shore, different people. I'd love to send you one of those free. Just tell me you did a rating and review. I'm going to send you a free book. Well, when we talk about conspiring the way it iterates, uh, Miles, if I'm a typical sales guy, uh, Ted, give, give me a real life scenario. I mean, you've already, you said you've connected to the CEO of Conspire, but let's say I, I want to connect to somebody. How's it going to help me close business? Is it just getting in front of the right people or is it bringing me credibility because I know certain people or is it all the above? Uh, it's all the above. I mean, I think you're a prime example of it. You should be a poster child for Conspire, Kelly, because you have a need to get guests on your show, right? Right, right. You don't know them all, but you, like today's guest, you got a hold of Jeffrey James because. Who recommended you? Uh, I, I got connected through Dave Stein. Perfect. 
So in this scenario, you would have said, I want to get to Jeffrey James. You would have entered that in. It would have gone out and looked at your network and said, hey, look, look who's connected to Jeffrey James. And the magic of Conspire would have worked just for that. I would think for someone in your role that wants to do these interviews every week, uh, you could fill a year's worth of activity very, very quickly. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. So if, I, if I'm a street sales guy and I'm a standard, uh, you know, I'm selling a widget or a service or a SaaS or, you know, whatever it may be, then I've got a list of contacts that I want to try to get a hold of. Uh, so the quick way to do that, or, you know, what people do now is they go on LinkedIn and they, and they go through that process. This is very much like that, but I can build my own specific kinds of networks and, and really get some, I, in, you know, in a sense, Miles, it, I feel like I'm going to get a, a more intimate referral. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, because it's a personal introduction, Kelly. I mean, how many times do you think, well, I want to get a hold of the VP of sales of uh, the hospital, let's say, or maybe the, I, I was selling computers to a hospital environment, and I want to get a hold of the people that are buying that technology. Well, how am I going to do it? I can go in and make cold calls like Jeffrey was just talking about or emails and all of that, or I can find someone in my network that knows the person or the people that I need to connect to. Not only can they make an introduction, they can recommend me, they can vouch for my character, my quality of my product, and they can say, you know what, I'm already buying for Miles. You need to talk to him. He does a great job. Yeah, and, and in my experience, I bet many people are exactly like this. So we get down to 60 seconds before the music uh, begins to fade us out. But when I went on, I've, uh, in just a short period of time, I have 107 direct connections. That equates to over 18,000 secondary connections. There's an enormous amount of potential there to really get connected to people in, in not very many direct connections, Miles. Yeah, it is. And I think that's, you know, for me, the magic. I, as I said, I think it's the, the ability to make that connection with the personal touch is one of those key pillars of successful sales activity, especially in prospecting and business development and hunting for new business opportunities. Doing it cold is hard. It can be done. We all hear people talking about it. But if you can get a warm introduction, your ability to get moving forward goes up dramatically. It's a great product. I am so pumped about these guys and what they're doing. I'm just afraid LinkedIn's going to buy them and then I'll get pissed off. <laughs> Can I say pissed off? <laughs> yeah, you, we'll let you get away with that. Well, hey, that's going to do it for today's show. That's the X's and O's segment. We're talking about Conspire. Find it online at conspire.com. Make sure you follow Miles Austin on Twitter, at Miles Austin. Look at his stuff. Read his stuff. Subscribe to his, uh, his blog at fillthefunnel.com. You're going to want to do that. Hey, special thanks to Jeffrey James for joining us today. The Ink Columnist, man, what a great set of information from him. You're going to want to re-listen to this podcast, I can assure you. It's show number 68. It's in the can. Special thanks to Nick Marple, who was our engineer on the other side of the glass, and our executive producer, Brandy Jackson. That's going to do it for Biz Locker Radio. Find us online, bizlockerradio.com. I'm Kelly Riggs. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Biz Locker Radio with Kelly Riggs. For more compelling interviews and cutting-edge business content, make sure you join us here again next week. Biz Locker Radio airs every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and 3 p.m. Central Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information, visit 